rolling. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the Mayfair Theater podcast. I never know how to start because when you listen to a podcast, <laughs> you hear the theme song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so when we start here, we're in the dark theater by ourselves. and Andrew, There's no music. Yeah, and Andrew yeah, if, clicks if we a were, button. If we were a live radio show, maybe it would be easier for us to do an intro. Maybe you sing next time before you press the record button. Well, yeah. (laughs) Even in the old days when you would think like radio, there would be like a click whir of like the tape starting to roll or like some guy in another room smoking a cigarette and pointing at you and going action or something. But now it's just, you know. So we should get a a guy smoking a cigarette or just have an unlit cigarette in his mouth just to point at us. Yeah. In an awkward five seconds. Yeah. In a fedora with with like a, like like doing like a three, two, one countdown. And then we'll do an ad for some like made up cigarette brand. Chesterfield. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or like I've been listening to a lot of uh, Harmontown lately, which I wish is a documentary that we could have screened, but we missed out on it whenever it was out a while back. And, uh, so they do, they do this stuff live. So that's a whole different because you do it live and you got like an audience in front of you. But even then they do kind of an, in, they do a big intro, don't they? Well, they do like a big like rap number half the time, <laughs> <laughs> for, like, which is horribly offensive and amazing. But uh, yeah, but, like we, maybe we should do that. We should just like physically play the music to lead us in and then we could hear it. I wish if anyone out there knows anything about music copyright, <laughs> which I have tried to maybe, look into. Maybe we can, so a lot of podcasts get to... Uh, music made for them by their listeners. Yeah, like a little, because we play the kind of uh, our coming soon um, tag, or or like our Mayfair, you'll see that, you'll hear the same music if you come and see a movie, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like public domain-y old grindhouse music. Um, But yeah, if we had our our own little sting, we could put, I wish, I had thought, and I'm probably completely wrong, I had thought there was something about like, if you're writing a fanzine about Star Trek, you're allowed to put in the Star Trek poster for the movie because it's like considered a, a critique or, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought on a podcast, as long as it was like under 60 seconds, so say if you're doing a, a, a Beatles podcast, you can yeah. play like 30 seconds of a song. I don't think so. And then talk about a song. But I don't think so. I think it'd be lawsuits all over the place. But we live in the age where, you know, everyone on the internet thinks that, you yes. know, everything's for free. And as long as you say... Oh, this is fair use. Yeah. That makes it fair use. So yeah. all, all on YouTube, there's music that doesn't belong to people, and they post yeah. fair use, thinking that that clears them, and it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, and then people thinking that watching a movie or TV show off YouTube is okay. And you're like, well, no, it's still the same. It's, still, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same as if you were doing the torrent thing, except it's just a little bit easier because you, know, you press play Somebody and it's there. It you Somebody else, free. yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and just like with... Um, album same thing it's like they say oh i got on youtube i'm like well that's just because the powers that be haven't found that yet because there's so much out there but like they still don't want you to i'm i am continually fascinated about how it doesn't happen every day but i try not to be a jerk about it because once i was totally stood corrected where somebody uh spoke about watching a movie that we were screening on on our facebook and my brain got defensive and was like how did you watch this? It's the Ottawa premiere. It hasn't yeah. been out yet. That kind of thing. So it ends up this guy uh, every year goes to the Sundance Film Festival and volunteers. Mm-hmm. So he had seen a bunch of movies. So we end up having a nice little Facebook conversation about it. And I was like, and luckily I didn't like go crazy and be like, how dare you, you thief, you, you're a horrible person. All I did was try to catch him in his lie and say like, where did you see it? And he saw it at Sundance. But I've caught people 
on the other side of the coin where they will they say, oh, I really love this movie. And it's some movie that's not out on Blu-ray yet, hasn't been streamed mm-hmm. yet, hasn't been whatever. And all I'll do is kind of do a little like, oh, where did you see it? And there's just crickets on the other side. <laughs> you or know? they're just like blatant about <laughs> Or they say, it. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God. Like, you know you just said you downloaded a movie illegally to a movie theater, yeah. right? You know, like blasphemy. Yeah, like like if you say like I saw it at a Fantasia Film Festival, or if it's a movie we're screening like Alien, and of course you say like I watched it on DVD or I own it, of course. But I'm fascinated that people don't get that they. I think sometimes people forget who they're talking to or they don't pay attention. <laughs> Do you know who you're well, talking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just the internet. But yeah, I'm fascinated that people because I would I would never go on. It's the old joke of like I've heard it and I can't remember what band it was. But they said they were doing a signing, and somebody came up with back 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 before the when people still burned onto discs. But somebody had burned their album onto a disc, and got an autograph. Yeah. Wanted an autograph, and the guy was like, "Really? Because that's literally <laughs> a piece of paper would have been better." Yeah, you know what drives me nuts, and this is this doesn't happen to me a lot, but it's happened to me a couple times where I'll buy a Blu-ray, yeah, and I'll take an Instagram of it. And most Blu-rays nowadays, they come with a DVD copy or ultraviolet, which is the free um, digital download copy. Right. And some guy will leave in the comments, can you give me the ultraviolet code? Uh, and I'm like, yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> Go buy it yourself. Yeah. Weird. Well, especially this, like, and our, our customers or, or a lot of people, um, whether it be, you see it a lot in town. And it's my big theory about how the big box stores are going to go away, but the small stores in towns will be okay. And each store won't have 50 small record stores, but each town, like in Ottawa, if we have two or three small record stores or two or three small comic stores or knitting stores, etc., is that because you a small group of people will support it. And it's the same with us where... Like, we've shown Saturday morning cartoons a bunch of times because a couple hundred people come out and support it so we can bring it back. Mm-hmm. Some of them come every time. Every time, but yeah. But there's also new people every time. Yeah. You hear about it from their friends, so, you know. And it's that kind of supply and demand of, of we will bring stuff back because, like, we show Die Hard every Christmas or, or what do we show, Exorcist and The Shining because mm-hmm. it always gets great crowds. And, um, and like, so this past Sunday, we participated in Doors Open Ottawa, which I don't know how long Ottawa's been doing it for. But we, this is our third. Third. And it's always kind of funny because on paper, it might seem like a silly idea because we're just open all the time anyhow. And often people will stop by and be like, hey, I'm from out of town. Is there a movie playing right now? Can I take a peek inside the theater? And it's yeah. like, if we're not playing a movie, Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, happened before, and it's like, there's something showing, and I'm like, well, there's something showing right now. Can we just go in? I'm like, well, no, you can come in later. Come back, yeah, <laughs> come back in between shows. But we, we put up a handful of signs around the theater, and I realized for next year, we have to put one up for Han Solo, because we, yeah. we don't have one for Han Solo. But um, the, the, the main attraction is the projection booth. Yeah. Pe- people love the projection booth. And Mel and Ian, one of the other partners, and I kind of just... We didn't really have a plan. We just kind of tag team off as we were kind of throughout the day. Yeah. And kind of pointed out our 35 millimeter projectors and pointed out the DCP. And the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and the, uh, the old cutting room and all this kind of stuff. And people are really fascinated by it. And, and I think some people just don't put thought into it. Like a lot of people think 
I don't know if we're just playing Blu-rays up there or it's like some magic machine that you just press a button in the movies. Some guy was under the impression that we were already at the point, and I think it is in some theaters, like probably the multiplex, where yeah. that that the movie is just downloaded to our projector. Yeah, and I um, like there's something like it still involves a little bit more work for us. Yeah, because there's live streaming events sometimes, but yeah. I, I wasn't sure what the state was, the state of that technology was of of just downloading. I'm sure. It's, I feel like maybe that's a thing in the states. Maybe, yeah. Where um, you just download it instead of getting it physically. Which is like loaded to your projector. Yeah. You don't even have to think about it. It is there. Yeah, which makes sense because it's just kind of cutting out that having a hard drive delivered to you. The delivery process, yeah. 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 But yeah, and people like, we're fascinated by anything that, like, because some of our projectors in there, and, as I, and I kind of told this story over and over again of like, <laughs> like, we were just lucky that we have a big projection booth. Mm-hmm. So most movie theaters had to make the choice of throwing away their 35 millimeter projectors to get in the DCP. Yeah. And I believe, and uh, our friends over at the Bytown, that's what they had to do because they just have a regular size projection booth so they don't have their 35 millimeter anymore. Um, and Plus, well, unrelated, but they, they had problems with, uh, they, they had, there was a, a traffic, um, there was road work being done. Oh, right. And uh, the construction actually affected, created vibrations, and it affected their uh, thirty-five oh. millimeter projectors. Wow! Whoa! That's interesting. So I think that's one of the reasons why they had to remove right. them. Right. I knew that they were having problems. I didn't realize that they had actually removed them. Like well, I know, like a lot, like back when, whenever that was, when DCP was kind of making its its final extinction push against thirty-five millimeter, there was like theaters who were like, you pay for shipping and we'll send you whatever. Because it's one of yeah. those weird, like... You don't want to get rid of it. Yeah, and it's like valuable versus people don't have room for it or anything to do with it. So I'm sure, like, hope, like some went to schools or museums or whatever, but then it's just, it's this piece of valuable equipment that will be collecting dust for a lot of theaters. Well, so. it was heartbreaking. Um, I got to visit the Rideau Center Theater right. when they were stripping it, and... Um, you know, I got to work with those projectors. I yeah. loved them a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the guys were going to be selling parts of them for scrap. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, when you think about that, like, I understand, I don't know, having worked with a projector, with a 35-millimeter projector, I totally understand, like, not wanting to junk it. Yeah. And, like, literally, I will give you this for free. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? And, and then you just do the math, and if, it, like, it was thousands of theaters, mm-hmm. thousands of theaters at the same time went through this switch. Yeah. So that's a lot of pieces, lo- a lot of big, heavy, difficult-to-move-around pieces of equipment. Yeah. It's not like a, a, oh, we're not using our DVD player anymore. Do you, do you, want, our, do you want our VHS player? <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't weigh five pounds. It, yeah. You know, yeah. And so, so, like, just that, like, even if you're some, like, diehard collector and you're like, oh, I'd love a 35-millimeter projector in my basement. You're you like, don't okay. don't have the power source in yeah. your house for that. Well, hydro in Ontario is already <laughs> yeah. super expensive, so good luck mm-hmm. getting, you know, And even if you just wanted to, like, put it in your backyard and turn it into, like, a bird fountain or something, just, like, if you were shipping it from... Toronto, even it would. I don't know what it would Could cost. Could you imagine but. if we had to take the projectors out of here? Oh God. Like Lee has told me about how much of a hard time it was to get the digital oh, projector yeah. in. It and almost it, didn't fit through the door. Yeah, 
and it doesn't weigh as much as the 35-millimeter projectors. Could you imagine having to cart that down the stairs? And, and that, that <laughs> they've just been piecemealed in there for yeah. 80 years. So it, it would be, they'd have to be taken back apart. It would be like those, Probably, those yeah. when you hear those like college pranks of like a, a, a car being put back together in the gym or whatever, mm-hmm. like, like that's what you would have to do. You'd have to take it all apart, ship it, and then put it all back together. So yeah, it, and, and a lot of it, like someone sent me a link like a year ago and I was like, why'd you send me this? It just makes me sad. And it was like, if I remember correctly, it was like a hundred theaters in North America and it ranged from like, Baltimore, Chicago, Vancouver, Montreal, everywhere. And it was just theaters that are closing down. And one, I remember Baltimore because it was called... Or abandoned. Or abandoned, yes. The Baltimore one was called the Mayfair. And I was like, oh, don't show me that. (laughs) But I've been, like, I've traveled around quite a bit in the last few years, whether it be um, Las Vegas or Boston or, like, kind of our nearby, like, Montreal, Toronto, but Halifax... All the theaters are gone. Like all the the single house, like Boston, and I could be wrong about this, but we we traveled around the city quite a bit, and we did not spot a theater. We spotted theaters that had been switched. Like one was now like a live live theater venue. You see a lot of photos of movie theaters that have been turned into like chapters. Yeah. Or have been abandoned and are just decrepit. Yeah, and and it's like anything else where it's just like, um, I don't know if this happened back when when like when vaudeville moved over to movie theaters because that's like a lot of like live theaters became movie theaters mm-hmm. um so that sort of thing you know or which like, is a question that we got a lot this weekend during doors open yes. actually like was this do, do you have a stage back there yeah and it's like i don't want to show them back there because it's quite a mess yeah it's, it's tiny and it's tiny it's there's no space for a there, stage. There, there's, <laughs> there's what there's like a, a brick wall Six feet it's behind the screen. It's not even a ninety degree angle. Like it's a yeah. triangle. It's yeah. a sliver. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there is room. When we had Crispin Glover here, we put like a comfy chair back there, and that yeah. was his little green room before he came out to do his spoken word act. But it's not like because I think people have that illusion of like, say, if you go see something at the NAC that involves. Um, a screen, either mm-hmm. like a live show or a couple times I've gone to see, which is amazing, going to see like the live orchestra play uh, Bugs Bunny music or something. There's a screen that just kind of comes down, but that screen goes back up and there's still that whole stage there. Yeah. So I think people have that illusion. Well, it looks like we have tons of space. It looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like we have two balconies on either yeah. side. But yeah, it's all, it's all a, a poorly constructed illusion that like, and especially our, our little fake balconies where our alien and karate kid prop sit. Yeah. I wish there was storage. They should have built a ladder up there at least or something, but yeah. But just if you go outside, if you walk on Euclid Street, uh, go beside where, where Quinn's patio is, and just kind of imagine like there's the exit door that's to the right of the screen if you're facing the screen. Mm-hmm. So just kind of look at that and see how close the wall is there and, and then say, oh yeah, there's, there's no room. It's like somebody's house is another four feet behind that Not wall. Even, yeah. And then, yeah, that's it. And then we have, like, a tiny alleyway on the other side, and, and that's about it. The, 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 the weird storage space we have here is the, the, the rabbit hole underneath the projection booth, which oh, yeah. I didn't even go in until, like, five years into the run here. Like, recently I went in there. I knew it was there. I just never went in. And it's, it's a weird room. Yeah. It smells, it smells it, like um, old foam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's horribly difficult to put anything in there. 
Because yeah. if we're storing prints, like you'd have we to. We used to keep prints in there. Yeah, like you'd have. You could do it, and but you have to. Have, take them out. Yeah, it's like. It's just tall enough to stand. Yeah. It's a good place in. to hide if you were like hiding from the law. Zombies. Zombies. That's a good panic room. It's a good, it's a good panic room. We just need cameras There's in there. There's two little windows that go to the outside that are f- foamed up. Yeah. Which is probably the source of the smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's um, that little room, and, um, but yeah, people like, even people liked, um, so we, we still, like, it's never used anymore, but we have our, like, the room where we would put together trailers, and they're just there like a museum now, but like the, uh, a handful of trailers are sitting in the, like, organizational bins, mm-hmm. and so just showing people the, the literal cut and paste aspect of, of putting, you know. People loved hearing about yeah. that. Like film A to, or trailer A, B, C to the front of the movie yeah. and, and kind of explaining that to them. And I'm not an expert on, on film or anything, but just kind of showing in layman's terms, like you do this, then you put it in here, and this is the, the you know, the, the film passes by the projector here and fascinated by that. And then like parents showing it off to the kids, like it's some like ancient museum uh, piece. Which was super fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one of the best kids, he just asked me, about 80 million questions. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, brought me around and showed me things that he wanted to know more about. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And there, and there was um, uh, older folks coming in and telling stories of coming here when they were kids. Yeah. Just knocks me out. Just kills Apparently me. Apparently there was a, well, either the school matron or somebody who, some, that, some of them thought that it was somebody who worked here. Yeah. would come down from the projection booth if anybody was acting up. Sometimes they would stop the movie yeah. if, if somebody was being too rowdy and she would come and tell them, you know, they had I, to simmer down. I went to a, there used to be a really great theater in Carlton Place that was sort of like a mini Mayfair, mm-hmm. but it had three screens, but it was like a tiny like basement movie house. And the owner was a lot like that. He would, he would, I went and saw the, the second Matrix. He used to pick up movies at the Rito all the time. Yeah. With his son. He was really nice. He, uh, God, what movie did I see? Oh, the second, the second Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. There were kids talking during it. And he came in with his flashlight at the end and yelled at them. And <laughs> said, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll shut the movie off next time. And Wow. Yeah, I've heard conflicting <laughs> reports of whether it was somebody employed by the Mayfair. Or the school. Or it was just somebody on the school, like, field trip kind of thing or something like that. But just like, I just had this image of this, like, little rascalsian school marm with a ruler like beating kids like, <laughs> like back when it was okay to do that yeah and like and like turning off the the movie and saying like okay everybody out it's your fault timmy <laughs> and oh, if only the multiplexes have that yeah, yeah. oh yeah it, it's uh the, I, I i always joke like the only time i go uh to the multiplex is using free points or or a free pass sometimes we'll get free passes to go see like the whatever they call that, like the, the free preview day, like a week before the movie comes out. And I always get so snobby and so <laughs> angry at everyone around me. Um, yeah, we went to see, when, when I went out east a couple weeks ago, so I was like far away from home and not, not cheating on the Mayfair, went to see uh, <laughs> Avengers. And, um, and it was just like, everybody was horrible. Everybody. And just like, I, I, if I had a ruler, I just would have beaten people left oh and right walking through the theater. But, uh, but yeah, so, so and the, the other thing at Doors Open was there's, there was somebody in just kind of very passionate but misinformed about 
35 millimeter. Mm. And I, I, I said this a few times during my, my speech at, to the Doors Open folks, but it was like, the difference between 35 millimeter and DCP, no matter what your personal or professional taste is, and there's a, a great, I thought a really great documentary, I believe produced by and hosted by Keanu Reeves called Side by Side. Yeah, it's, it's a really good documentary. That you could find on, on your, your TV um, and uh, <laughs> it's in your TV. It's in somewhere. your TV somewhere. somewhere. We're not going to say. Not going to exactly. say where. We're not going to say how. <laughs> There's a streaming service in your house where you can watch this. Um, but they talk to everybody, like like uh, James like Cameron, James Cameron, George Lucas, um, Scorsese, Scorsese, and they all have different opinions. And there's some cinematographers who are like, I like digital, and some who are like, it's the death of cinema. But the 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 end of it, or the, the be all and end all of it, is. It's not a choice like either walking into your local record store and buying the new White Stripes on vinyl or, or the new Jack White on vinyl or downloading on iTunes. It's not a choice. It's not a hipster thing either. Yeah. The yeah. way hipsters are into vinyl. Like. There's no small faction of, yeah. you know, there's not even one distributor. Interstellar was an exception to the rule. Yeah. There's no distributors who are making 35 millimeter prints. Yeah, like, like we, can't, I'm, uh, we can't say... Oh, we, we we're screening. Uh, what have we screened recently? Like we screened Maggie. We can't. We we got that on DCP. We couldn't go to that distributor and say, "Oh, may we have it on 35? It just doesn't exist. Or mm-hmm. we're showing Cinderella again this weekend, like a, a big major Disney release, and it's it's not a choice. We we can't say, "Oh, we would like to have it on 35 millimeter, please," because Disney did not make it on 35 yeah. millimeter. Um, so that's an example of a big mainstream movie. But what I pointed out too is that. And I should look this up because I, I had this number in my head back when I was in film school. But like the cost to make to strike a thirty five millimeter print, it's a lot. It's prohibitive. It's like thirty five thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Isn't it? For so some reason, I had ten thousand in my head, but that might have been somebody telling me about making a, a short film. It might be ten to thirty five. I don't. know. I'm gonna look this up next time. I'll, I'll know this. But so imagine, like the imagine you made like a, a low budget horror film or documentary or, or comedy, something like Clerks or, or El Mariachi back in the day, and you made a 35-millimeter print because that's what they demanded for Sundance or, or a New York Film Festival or something. Mm-hmm. It's much more prohibitive to make a film yeah. at that point in time. So if your budget, say, was like $100,000, a giant chunk of that would be just making the print. Mm-hmm. And then you would travel with it like, like more like you, you had were... One. You had one. And imagine, like, imagine sweating of, like, taking that film print and, like, sticking it on a bus to New York or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, so whatever your thoughts on film, and and as I've said, I have a film strip tattooed on my arm forever, so I am a fan. But look at it from that point of view of if you're an independent filmmaker now, you can... The door is open to you where it might not have been before. And if you look at our programming... I have friends who are submitting short films to festivals and, you know... Yeah, and and a lot of that... Doing a thing where maybe they might not have before. Yeah, so, like, I just imagine, like, the the Evil Dead Boys back in, like, the early 80s, like, Sam Raimi and Rob Tabard and Bruce Campbell, and getting their no-budget Evil Dead movie on the road, and they had to, like, strike one 35-millimeter print... And then bring that to the distributors, and they had to watch it and give it back to them, and, and nobody was interested. And, <laughs> and this was ye- this is after it took them years just to shoot the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so now you can make your movie, like damn, you could you could film it on your iPhone practically nowadays. Yeah. We, we had a couple short films for, or we had one for Painted Lips, I remember for Painted Lips and Lolly Licks, 
and it was a on, on the sliding scale of painted lips from like romantic to porn. It was porn. closer it to was porn. porn. It was porn, but it looked great, <laughs> and they had a little tag at the end of this was shot on my iPhone, iPhone. something something. Yeah, and it it blew me away. Like I, I, it looked like something that a few short years ago you would have had to have rent a industrial camera, yeah. and now that person shot it on their phone, edited it on their laptop, I'm sure, and got it into some film festivals, and it looked great. So there's that point of view of, of like, I always kind of look at it, too, of, like, it's, it's, it's done, you know? Like, yeah. like, we could argue about it all we want. We could, we could say the merits of film versus digital, but we're in this world now. Mm-hmm. And, like, we mentioned Interstellar, and that's the rare exception and so that's going to happen, like... It's so far the only exception. So far, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if the, the, some very powerful filmmakers have their way, it's going to happen, like, three times a year, maybe. Yeah. So this is maybe, but maybe it's going to happen with Star Wars Episode Seven because J.J. Abrams is on this, this push as well. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, the article I read, it was Judd Apatow, but I don't know if that's happening with his new film. And Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino, of course, which isn't very shocking. Whose new movie is uh, on 65 millimeter. Yes. And there's, I don't know if this is true or if it's just speculative. Are we making a format? No. no. (laughs) It's on 128 happy face. Yeah, it's 36 millimeter. (laughs) 36 millimeter. Um, I heard that 50 theaters in the U.S. are... uh, adapting their theaters to be able to show his new movie in 65 millimeter. Man. And this is 65 millimeter, not IMAX. Not 70 yeah. millimeter? Or 70, 70 millimeter. Aha. That's what I meant to say. That's okay. close. That was five millimeters off. <laughs> <laughs> That's so small. This is it's, it's in the grand scheme of but millimeters. But the point is, it's, it's a Panavision yeah. process that hasn't been used in decades. Yeah. We, when I worked at Rideau, uh, my favorite projector was in theater number one, which was the big, big room, if anybody remembers. And um, the projector that was there was a 70 millimeter projector that was adapted to 35. Mm-hmm. So it's like. It sort of makes me sad that, like, that nobody's it's using cool that it. It's cool that it's there, though. Yeah. Or that it was there. That it was. So if Mr. Tarantino wants to pay for us to switch our theater over. So theoretically, it's, it's just, it's like fixing a car. It's like you can, you can fix up this. 35 millimeter projector we have. You'd have to change. Well, our screen's not big enough. Our screen's not big enough. That's true. Yeah. I don't even know if we could do that. The Bytown, back when they were the Nelson, they, they showed 70 millimeter. Yeah. So they might be able to. But I bet you, but he must be striking some 35 millimeter prints as yeah, well. Yeah, there'll be 35 prints, and I hear that there'll be special DCPs that won't be regular DCPs. What? I don't know that what that means, but. They're filming it on film, transferring it to digital, and then transferring that back to film. Special. I'm probably gonna have to go. To, I'm probably gonna have to go to Toronto to see this in 70 millimeter. I'm hoping that it opens uh, TIFF, Toronto Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure it will. Um, or at the very least, it, it plays in Toronto on 70 millimeter in regular. Yeah. Release. When's it? When's it actually coming out? Christmas. I've heard either December or November, but yeah, I don't think there's any confirmation on that. For like an Oscar, like Oscar push kind of. Thing. Yeah, and, I, and I'm hoping that it'll be like Interstellar, where when we get to show it, um, there'll be a 35 millimeter print at least. That looks yeah. good. And, and basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and basically, we were lucky with Interstellar, where we got the crappy print and the good print. Yeah. yeah. And basically, um, 
And that is very powerful filmmakers throwing their weight around and saying, appease me by doing this because I think 35 millimeter is cool. Yeah. And then Disney and Paramount or whoever going, oh, okay, fine, Christopher Nolan. Okay, fine, Steve He's made us a lot of money. Yeah, so. But yeah, same thing, because if we could get, besides for just the gimmick of it, but if we can get the new Star Wars on 35 millimeter, that's pretty cool. But this is all, like, n- nobody misquote us. Nobody, nobody no. hit Twitter now and be like, Mayfair just announced they're getting Star Wars on 35 millimeter. No. But, as much as I love film. Yeah. And, like, It'd be really fun to be able to work with it. Yeah. Um, it's just, like, not an option. Yeah. And and there is just um, an ease to digital versus film. The romance yeah. is gone. I just, like, I like, I'd like that we got a lot of questions about film during Doors Open Ottawa. Because yeah. it got us, like, gave us a chance to sort of explain yeah. sort of what it was like and stuff like that. But, um people sort of take it more as a novelty, I guess, when you explain it to them that way. It's like going Very to a much, museum, so. you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, oh, this is how the job used to be, and this is what we do now, yeah. which is, like, way easier. Yeah, because one, one person had, had the assumption that there was still a projectionist, like, on hand, tinkering with the DCP projector, setting... But, some colored tone, yeah, that happens, but not during the show. They're, yeah, they're I not... mean, I guess we had projectors all, or projectionists all the time until not that long ago. Yeah, but we're those guys now. Yeah, but they don't. Nobody's looking at it and going like, "Oh, the color looks off. Let me push these buttons." No, if there's a problem, that's, <laughs> there's a problem. there's a problem. Something yeah. has gone horribly, <laughs> yeah. horribly wrong. Yeah, and and I always for 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 film fellow film nerds, I come to the defense of DCP of just saying that we've gotten to screen a lot of cool stuff that we just wouldn't have, you know, anything short of, you know, slapping in a DVD or a Blu-ray, but that we would not have been able to screen on film because Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein was not available from Universal Pictures Mm -hmm. on 35 millimeter. Or even just like the 35 millimeter prints are junked now. Yeah, which is very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And, or just, they've been so beat up. Even like, I'll never forget that we screened a Harry Potter film relatively soon after it was in the the old multiplexes but it was screened for whatever the math is i guess it's longer than most films i'd say four times a day oh my god for seven days a week for two months or whatever it was maybe not even that long nowadays movies come and go so fast we knew if it was like six weeks and we got it and it was beat up like there was like long like long like 15 minute sections of like that that green scratch on the film Mm -hmm. and just just messed up because whoever... It's a bummer because, yeah. like, the multiplex sort of killed film. Yeah, because they didn't take way. care of it. Well, and, because, like, even, like, I considered myself a decent projectionist, and, and even then I didn't feel like my training was sort of up to par as far as, you know, yeah. cleaning everything. We didn't have any cleaning rollers or anything like that, so we couldn't take any dust or anything like that off of the print. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't do what I was supposed to do to take care of the print. Right. Even if I wanted to, and I feel like a lot of people weren't even trained to do that, you know. Yeah, well, I think well, because the attitude was you just show it, and then it's you're done showing it. It, it. There was no, I guess, there was no thought put into you know caring for them and the longevity of of the print. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I get mixed up on which movie well, this we was. So many. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, yeah. If every theater ends up with Harry Potter at that's, the same time, that's a lot of prints. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I forget which movie this was. It was it was either a Chuck Norris movie or like Delta Force or it was some some movie we screened on thirty five millimeter. 
but it was a movie that like flopped back in the day when it came out in 85 or whatever and it was like this print had never been touched it, mm-hmm. it's like it's like say back in the it day played they played in one theater one time yeah or they or they made like a thousand prints of it and like 800 went out and the film flopped and then they were going to expand on it and they just went nope and it sat on a shelf it was it was pristine and i always think it's funny that there's more pristine bad movies out there yeah. than good movies because if you're some random police academy 4 or 5 or something like that you have not been played as much as um, It's a Wonderful Life or Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Ghostbusters. Those are played at, like, in a lot of theaters annually, or if not more. Yeah, or the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's funny that there's these prints floating around of, of kind of subpar films, and they're the pristine, most beautiful prints you could find. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sure there's like a Masters of the Universe print out there that like looks amazing, but you... You know, you or people ask about old movies like Citizen Kane. I was like, we can't. There's no 35 millimeter Citizen Kane easily available. Maybe some private collector has it sitting on a shelf somewhere. But and then and then that becomes financially um, difficult as well because it was a little while ago where, like, I believe out of Japan there was like 35 millimeter prints available of Godzilla and some of the other Godzilla movies. Holy moly! But you'd have to pay. To ship Shipping. the film print here. Things that weigh more than we do combined. And then pay to ship it back and then hope that you had a sellout <laughs> crowd, you know? Like if, if you if fingers you, crossed, you can make your money back on this. It's gonna cost you eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and then it becomes the point of like, well, we have to count on everybody coming and packing the place, which never happens, and everybody buying two popcorns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if not, we're not we're simply not going to be able to pay Cover for that. Cover the cost, yeah. But if there were movies like that, which we have screened in the past, that are digital. We can screen, you know, like an old Stephen King movie or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that. Yeah, because by weight, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah. fraction. And if the next step it's like is the that weight of my cat versus. Yeah. And if the next step is that we're just magically zapping them to our projector, then that's going to be even yeah, easier. Yeah, could you imagine? And a lot of the, the production companies or the, the film distributors have been really good about making old stuff available. Yeah, I remember when uh, we first switched over to digital. Mm-hmm. Well, like, for good. Like, yeah. officially, we're not really getting prints anymore ever again unless it's for special stuff. Uh, we had a run of... We were still doing the festivals every month. Right. And I remember Lee saying quite a few times, like, oh, well, they're they're having to make a brand new DCP for us because they don't yeah. have one yet. Yeah, so we were, like, the DCP premiere. For a lot of older movies. Yeah, yeah. And even even stuff we've shown more recently like Blade Runner or Star Trek 2 or Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Like watching Friday the 13th on digital, it's pristine and there is some fun to seeing a beat up film print sometimes, but then there's sometimes where you're just like I couldn't hear half the movie. We showed the pol- There's sometimes where it's a little too far. Yeah. Because because of projectionists stealing frames over the years <laughs> yeah, and yeah. bad splices and brain wraps. Yeah. <laughs> we screened some Western and it was awful. There was like this 20-minute chunk of the sound just screaming yeah, that, at you. That, oh. um, I know what noise you're talking about, but it's like an... Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you're, and you're, it, it felt like four hours and you're just like, oh, please stop. I think it. it's because the soundtrack, which the optical soundtrack on the film strip is shrinking, so it's that yeah. kind of... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it gets all out of whack. Um, 
But yeah, we, we're going to run out of time, so we should talk about some movies. <laughs> um, one thing off the top of my head, we've, we've booked Jaws for an extra day. So it's, it's Saturday the 20th and Sunday the 21st. Mm-hmm. So if you can't make it on the actual day and date, 40th anniversary of Jaws, hopefully you can come on Sunday. And uh, so we have a, a two matinees back-to-back of that I coming up. I think they're both around the 6 o'clock time, eh? I'm not even sure. Did we book that I remember yet? somebody asking me if we would have it on a late show time or something like that, or he was hoping it would be the 9 o'clock because he was out of town yeah. during the day or something like that. So. Yeah, it's uh, the 20th at 3.30 and the 21st at 6. 6. Okay, cool. so one matinee and one nighttime show. Awesome. Um, yeah, and we went through... Another thing, I didn't realize it. So we're showing two Kurt Cobain documentaries. One is like a music documentary, and one is like a conspiracy thir- theory. He was murdered. This is not. how he was murdered. Yeah. So, so we have one in June and one in July. The I'm one in, excited for both. Yeah, so the one in June is like a, is a, it's epic. It's like two and a half hours long. It's like a tribute to the, the, the legacy of Kurt Cobain. A lot of people saying nice things about him. Yeah. Then in July, we have Courtney killed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Courtney's in this one. Yeah. She's not, not in the other in the one other because one. she's accused of murdering him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a lot about the relationship. I think uh, Dave Grohl was interviewed for this one, but it was a little bit too late for it to make sense in the movie. I saw an interview with the director, and he seemed kind of like... Anti-Grohl? He seemed very anti... There seems to be kind of an anti-Grohl thing with Nirvana fans. I love Nirvana fans. Um, But he Hmm. seemed sort of like, I I don't need Dave Grohl in this documentary. And it's like, well... Why, why not? He was in the band. Well, there were 10 people in Nirvana, and he was, yeah, he's the most famous, but blah, 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 blah. Like, he seemed kind of defensive about having it's to weird. put. I wonder if that's how, like, the sort of attitude that Grohl gave him. I, th- I think it's like there's, there's a section that are mad at Dave Grohl for having a career post-Nirvana. Yeah, I think there's a lot of resentment from Nirvana fans being, you know, Kurt Cobain happy? died. Yeah, and, you, and Dave, uh, Dave Grohl is one of the biggest rock stars on the planet, and he seems like a nice, happy guy. Yeah, and he's like in the Muppets and X-Files cameos, and they're like, how dare you have a happy, fun career post this? You and know? I like him. He seems like a nice guy. He's really talented. And he but... still hangs out with, and I think works on rare occasion with Chris Novoselic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're still cool. But I guess there's lots of trolls who are like, yeah, I don't oh, like yeah. him. He's so full oh. of himself. Yeah, so I like Dave Grohl. Same. He, play, he played fake animal in The Muppets. <laughs> How do you get peak that? Um, uh, anyway, we have a bunch of premieres mm-hmm. this week, or two two premieres. This, this, this is the week. That's actually, yeah, let's just talk about that. So we have Spring, which is a... Romantic horror movie? Yeah, I watched the trailer, and it looked to have like a hint of Cthulhu to it. I just, mm-hmm. I just saw some like tentacles. So it's this kid who goes to Italy, just he kind like, of backpacking trip. and Doesn't he like get pissed at his parents and decide to go off? Like yeah, something like that. Like he goes on a Italy? on a solo trip and he meets this hot girl and the girl's like, uh, stay away from me, there I'm something wrong with me. And she's a monster. And she's a monster. Uh, so we have that, and then we have uh, some kind of love. So it was a uh, I read the description. It's like a documentary about a it artistic seems like family. Oddly endearing. Yeah. I think it's the feeling that I got. And so it's like a kind of like an art house documentary. And the filmmaker is part of the family. He's like the nephew of these two people or something like that. Yeah, and she's a she's a super eccentric artist, and he helped to discover AIDS. Is that what it is? What do you do? AIDS physician. So it's like a character he, piece. He helped to discover AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I took credit for this. <laughs> um, so we have we have that documentary, Spring. 
Uh, Far From Madding Crowd is back again. Again, again. Which is like, this is... Third week? This is the third week. I was curious to see how this film would do because yeah. it opened at the multiplex and then moved over here. Yeah. And and, um, and we did fine. <laughs> a lot, yeah. A lot of folks have come out to see it, so... And then we have... That's awesome. Cinderella back. Again, again. Which I always like to point out that it has a Frozen short in front of it. <laughs> and so it's like... Come for Frozen, stay for the movie. Because mm. there's a lot of little kids who Frozen is like the movie of their generation. Maybe if your kid doesn't throw a tantrum after the Frozen short and you have to bring them home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're furious that it's, what, this isn't a full movie? Yeah. Um, I want more Frozen. But uh, Cinderella, got a, Cinderella, I saw it last weekend. It, it, it Beautiful on every technical level. Cinematography, score, costume. And it got some, some press because it's directed by... I think five-time Oscar nominee Kenneth Branagh, so it has a bit of Shakespearean legitimacy there. Um, like many Disney movies, it's a little dark, because within the first 15 minutes, you have two parental deaths. Well, I mean, if you think about Cinderella... Yeah, really a few drive-bys. Yeah. <laughs> the cartoon had chattering mice, but, like, that's really only to detract you from the actual situation that she's in, I yeah, think. Like, like, most Disney films seem to be, like single parents or abusive family or some poor yeah. orphan kid or... But they m- make friends with animals yeah. to, like, <laughs> yeah. deal with the situation at hand. And, um, yeah, so and, the, and the aforementioned Kurt Cobain documentaries. That, that's, I forgot, that's this well, weekend. We have this, it this weekend. Yeah, it is this weekend. There's also a magic show on Sunday. Presented by Michael Burrata. A live show. Yeah, he's been here a few times. It's always fun. It's, especially in, in this location, it's fun because this seems like a he location. Has a bird. That's all I'm going to say. Give me a bird yeah, here. Yeah, I oh, pretty man. much lost my mind because I was like, "What if the bird doesn't come back to him?" Uh, he'll live in the theater, <laughs> popcorn off the ground. But I always like it when stuff like that comes in here because it, it this feels like a place where there should have been burlesque in the '30s. Yeah. Just, but it's not. It's always been a movie theater. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of cool that when a live when a live event comes in, it's always fun. Yeah. Um, and then we shouldn't forget, we also have one that I admittedly know nothing about, but I'm about to go home and write about it on Twitter and Facebook and stuff because i got to post posters. Mangia Cake, which had its auto premiere last week. And it's um, an Italian-Canadian? Yeah, it's about a couple of sisters who move back home to, I think, maybe take care of their grandma or something like that, but they're fighting all the time. Yeah, so it's kind of like it's a... Made in Ottawa. Yeah, so if you want to come out, I always say, when you want to come out and support local, you can't do better than supporting a locally shot film and the Mayfair. Mm-hmm. That's like one-two mm-hmm. punch it's of supporting the local arts. Um, so yeah, that's playing for two nights this week, and that, that's great. Like I always love it when we can get in not only Canadian films, but Ottawa films. Mm-hmm. The premiere is sold out, so I feel like cool. we're going to be, uh, it might be a busy night. And I always say, like, from a greedy point of view, local films are always great because all the mums and dads and extras and friends of friends come because they yeah. want to see their friends on the big screen, which is always fun. So, so yeah, so that's coming this week as well. I'll, they just don't want to see them in real life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they want to come see them on see them on the big screen. Yeah, um, and then we often get a question, mm-hmm. um, especially for stuff like this, um, asking if we are selling tickets ahead of time. Yes, um, I'm like. Most of the time, we don't. Hey? No. Like, sometimes people will rent out the theater, um, and they'll choose to sell tickets ahead of time. Sometimes sometimes we'll have some in theater, but most of the time, you can get your tickets day of. Yeah, or, or sometimes the people... Like, I remember for um, the 
Canadian content. Uh, Historic Canada? Historic Canada. Heritage Minutes? They did it through Eventbrite. Oh, yeah. A lot and, of people do that. And it was a free event, but they sold out in like 15 Five minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, a lot of times people have done it through that. And, and uh, if we're working the box office, people just come in with either their phone or a piece of paper and mm-hmm. we'll let them in We, by we do way. have advanced tickets for an event called Elvis. Elvis's Water. Elvis's Water, which is an uh, Elvis impersonator. Yeah. It's and a it's, musical. And it's a fundraiser for something. First Assist? Yeah. Which is um, actually my friend's dad's organization. Cool. They, I think they do camps in uh, Aboriginal communities. That okay. They like fly in only, like hard to get to. Yeah. Um, he was a hockey player, and so uh, it definitely has to do with hockey. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so another, they're, they're raising money for that. Another cool live charitable event that you can yeah. come to the Mayfair. But, uh, yeah, so I think that about wraps us up. For, I, I, we, we got all that information in very well. I think we're right about the 45-minute mark or so right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, stay tuned. We have a, a bazillion premieres and seemingly more and more being booked all the time. Yeah. Um, An entire summer of premieres. Yeah, so, so uh, stay tuned to our social media and website. You'll get all our updates there. We Keep checking it every five minutes. Every five minutes. <laughs> And we'll have more news for you over and over and over again. Send this podcast to your mom. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you later. Bye. Get more out of life. Go out to a movie.